0: guys. Good to see everybody here from Mother's Day. Um, Kathy Wendell called me while I was in Sunday school and she wanted me to pass on to you. They're headed home today. Jeff's going to be released and they have diagnosed him with pulmonary fibrosis and uh, there's really not a lot they can do for his breathing. So she asked me to relay that to you guys. Um, She said, you know, I'm kind of tired. Don't really have a lot of energy to share all this so wanted to share it with you and whew, I have to admit I've been a little emotional about it myself and uh, you know I've always been a little sappy but it seems like the older I get the more sappy and emotional I find myself uh, it's easy to love you guys and Jeff's a little different but uh, I love him he's a dear brother So we want to remember them. And here's some good tears. Uh, Cindy had just told me with Brenda that her grandson, Walker, had given her this card, all the good things he had done for her. Thank you. Oh, that heads me toward the Kleenexes, too. And uh, then on the other side of it, uh, my son Nathan came over to the house last night to uh, really see Atticus more than us, I think. Came by to see us and... uh, I said, what are you getting your mom for Mother's Day? He said, Well, I hadn't gotten it yet. What'd you get her? I said, see those three roses there? It's somewhere between three dollars and four fifty. That's what I got her. He said, Dad, I think I can beat that. <laughs> I said, I do too, son. I do too. Uh, and then Atticus, just now he's, you know, they're passing out the bags and he hands me a bag and I said, Atticus, I am not a mom. And so I put it back, and then he comes back again, and he grabs a bag and he puts it in my face. He said, "This is for my mom, not you." <laughs> 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 uh, so you let me know. So before we go, to the Lord in prayer, I'm going to be all uh, in several different texts this morning, but turn to Acts chapter 16 for our reading. I'm going to read the first two verses aloud, and you guys follow. Along. If you will stand in our awesome God's honor, I'm going to read. He came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Let's pray. Here we are, God, your children, Lord, your people, and we are here to worship. We are grateful for the ladies in our lives that have been such an inspiration. And we know that is part of the image of God shown to us, Lord. What a great picture of you to care. and uh, God, just lead us as we seek to worship you, the risen one, this morning. And to uh, pay tribute to special people in our lives. Uh, God, just guide us. I thank you for each one that is here and those who are listening uh, through the internet. And God, I just, I just pray we just keep giving you the attention for you are the one alone who deserves it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, after this little bit of crying stuff I've been going through, I want to share hopefully some humorous things that uh, ran across that dealt with moms. Lessons that we've learned listen to some of these Uh, my mother taught me the value of a clean home when she told my brother and me listen if you're going to kill each other do it outside I just finished cleaning (laughs) my mother taught me the value of passionate prayer when she said you better pray that'll come out of my carpet my mother taught me logic when she said if you fall out of that swing and break your neck you're not going to the store with me later My mother taught me about consequences when she warned, you keep on crying and I'll give you something to really cry about. My mother taught me about the circle of life when she said, listen, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. I knew you guys had heard that. My mother taught me the value of stamina and perseverance when she said, you will sit there until that spinach is gone can understand that one can't we moms don't take time off the job is always there and we know it is a tough job when there is difficulty kids don't use a yell for dad there's a reason for that they use a yell for mom because they know about the concern and love and care and compassion of mom who comes during those times Mm -hmm. i love the story about two bible college students who were going door to door trying to be faithful and sharing the witness of Jesus Christ. They came to this one house, and as they headed toward the house, they heard dogs barking, they heard children crying, and uh, they came to the door that was open and saw a woman in there scrubbing the floor passionately. Oh, and looking at the kids around her who were screaming and crying, she gets up, she comes to the door, and she said, yes, may I help you? And they said, we would like to talk to you about the hope of eternal life. And she looks at them and says, right now I don't think I could stand it. Uh, She pictured living forever with all those duties instead of what we know eternal life to be. If you're a mom, you know that the days are long, but the years are short. And the truth is, any of us that have been around a while, we know that truth as well. And sometimes days can seem so long. And then we look back and say, where did the years go? They passed so quickly. I mean, moms are tough. They learn how to take naps standing up. Hopefully they won't fall asleep while they're standing up and fall. Or to wear baby lotion as the newest perfume. And they've even become immune to stinky smells and cleaning up. Yeah, stuff, you know, and they've learned to take Cheerios wherever they go. Moms are a great demonstration of love. You know, sometimes moms being underappreciated, people are like, what do they do? What do they do? And I heard about one lady. She got so tired of hearing it because she was a stay-at-home mom and she was on trips. She was on the an airplane. And sure enough, the question came: What do you do? Well, she was prepared, so that whenever that question was shared with her, she had an answer. And here's her answer: I am training two Homo Sapiens with the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments of transformation in the world toward the eschatological plan God willed from the beginning of creation. And then she would ask them: What do you do? What a job. And yet we know, guys, that none of us are perfect. That we are all sinners. We are all strugglers. And praise be to God that His mercies are new every morning. And that He is the God of grace and the God of love. Who came for a specific person that was to rescue us. To deliver us from our dilemma that we are certainly in. In Eugene Peterson, who's the guy who um, translated... The text we know as The Message, which is a paraphrase written in our, our popular language. This is from one of his books I want to share with you. It's called Growing Up With Your Teenager. Here's what he writes. A search of Scripture turns up one rather surprising truth. There are no exemplary families. Not one singer, single family is portrayed in Scripture in such a way so as to evoke admiration in us. There are many family stories, there's considerable reference to family life, and there's sound counsel to guide the growth of families, but not a single model family for anyone to look up to in either awe or envy. Adam and Eve are no sooner out of the garden than their children get into a fight. The sons of Noah are forced to devise a strategy to hide their father's drunken shame. Jacob and Esau are bitter rivals and sow seeds of discord that bear centuries of bitter harvest. David is a man after God's own heart and Israel's greatest king, but he cannot manage his own household. It's all true and more. It is even more fascinating that one of the clearest examples of a godly heritage in the New Testament takes us inside a mixed marriage and possibly even a broken home with a single mom. How fascinating that one of the church's greatest leaders is reared in this home environment. This godly young man raised in an unlikely setting is introduced to us in several of Paul's letters. His name is Timothy. And although his family background is sketchy, it speaks volumes. Our reading this morning, uh, before I came uh, to the message from Acts chapter 16, it, it tells us, about an area where Timothy was from and and how Timothy was well-respected. And so some of the history of Timothy as we try to piece things together, um, different people have concluded that he was probably between the ages of 18 and 23. Uh, in Acts 16, he's on his second missionary journey. On his first missionary journey, he came to that area. And he preached with a great boldness. And not only that, God did miracles through him. But the response was not what you might think. Uh, people became angry and they stoned him and they dragged him out of the city and left him for dead. But amazingly enough, God healed him and strengthened him. And that rascal was right back up, went back to the city and began to preach. And God did a mighty powerful work through that preaching. And I'm sure through seeing him back preaching again, people were saying, what is it with this guy? There's something going on. And it was during that time, we believe, that two ladies came to faith in Jesus Christ. One lady named Lois and her daughter Eunice. And they would be the ones who had the great influence in the life of this young man, Timothy. And so, before going any further here, uh, I want to mention the rest of this message, some observations, some truths that we learn as we look at the life of Timothy and these two dear ladies. Uh, First, uh, as we look at that observation number one, past failure does not exempt future success. We read in the text that Timothy's dad was a Greek mentions that a couple of times and the inference there, the picture there, is that he was not just a Greek. He was not merely not a Jew. He was an unbelieving Greek. In other words, he did not share the faith of his wife. And and so the obvious picture here, here was a Jewish lady named Eunice who married a non-Jewish guy, which was not accepted. She was to be a part of the Jewish faith and marry a man who also was a believer, and she didn't do that. So, so she was a radical. She stepped out of the confines of m- marriage. She was disobedient to God. And so, you know, you could say, okay, you know, this is not the way to start out your life in God to start out your marriage, and yet something changed. She met Jesus, and that rocked her world, that changed her life. And, and it is almost like when, when she had this son and, and now she knows Christ and everything has changed. And it's almost like the first time she said, I don't care about you, God. I don't want to hear any more about God. I'm marrying this man no matter what my parents think, no matter what anybody thinks. But yet when Timothy comes along, whose name means to honor God, everything changed. He's just like, God, I want my life to honor you. Lord, I, I, I may not have been a godly bride. But I want to be a godly mom. Listen, this is from 2 Timothy 3, 13 and 14. It it tells us that Timothy heard the scriptures from infancy, from the early age. Far back as he could remember, he was exposed to the scriptures, to the Bible. And so past failure, guys, that does not determine future success. God would work through Timothy's life. God would work through unison. Thank, thank God, He is the God of the second chance, right? Amen. Man, the truth of the matter is you can't know you need a savior until you I mean you you can't know you need a savior until you know you're a sinner. Until you're fully aware of the fact that you're a big mess and you need to be cleaned up. You need to be made new and you need to be made whole. And that's the gospel. It doesn't matter where you've been. It, it doesn't matter who you've known. What matters is do you know Him now? Because forgiveness is available. New starts are there. And, and guys, that's the hope that we have in Christ. And, and that changed in this woman's life. And she would have an impact in the life of her son. Observation number two. A missing parent does not spell doom. She had the tough job as a single parent, and and although her husband was there, he wasn't really there as a spiritual leader. He wasn't there as one who handled the job of, son, this is what matters. There's a God in your life should reflect a love and respect for him. In 1 Corinthians seven thirteen and 14, there's a command given by the apostle where he says, stay with your families, ladies, and be a sanctifying influence in your families, even in those tough situations. You see, when Timothy had conversations later on with his dad, it didn't have anything to do with God. He didn't understand spiritual things. That wasn't what he talked about. He talked about things like the Olympics or... or you know, what went on in the politics of that day, but but, uh, he certainly did not speak (laughs) about the living God. We don't know for for sure if she got divorced from him, but more than likely, most commentators seem to think that he had died, that Timothy's dad was not even around any longer. But there is hope. That although God's design is for a mother and father to be there, to be a part of a child's life as that child grows and matures, hey, we're broken people. And there are plenty of broken families. But that is not doom. God can work even in our broken state, even for those single parents or, or those homes that don't see an agreement in the area of faith and the living God, there is hope. It, it doesn't spell doom. Number three, a godly mother is a powerful force. She took the reins because they were uh, not being taken by her husband, who was not a believer. She took the time, to just love, love Timothy and tell him, God loves you. God is with you, Timothy. And not only that, uh old rascal had him in my grandmother too. Same way, Eunice, who invested in Timothy and just lived for Jesus. There is nothing quite like a godly woman who has a simple love for Christ. Who scripture just kind of falls off of their lips, and they're just always ready for a hug or ready to make some cookies. Atticus always liked that cookies. Me too, by the way. Okay, I don't want to get off on that. But there's so much power in a godly woman and what she has to share. Listen, this is from Second Timothy chapter one verses one and two. As Paul opens up that letter, he says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son. Can you imagine what that must have meant to Eunice and to Lois, for the apostle Paul, for the leader of the church in that time and ministry, this great missionary, this guy that, you know, we as Baptist, he's like the Baptist superhero, you know, that uh, we pay attention to and homage to. And yet this guy says, my son, Timothy. He could have said my co-laborer or my fellow brother in Christ. But he said, my son, I can just, man, I can almost feel the prize oozing out of those ladies. As they thought, that's my Timothy. That's my boy. He is making a difference for the cause of Christ. And these ladies were a powerful force in that. So ladies, do not underestimate the influence that you can have. The powerful force that your love and belief in your children and grandchildren makes. It's a powerful, strong force. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy. It's like, Timothy, when I look at you, man, I'm blessed and I'm reminded of your mom and your grandmother. Man, that's good stuff. (laughs) Now, you, you drop down a couple of verses, verse 14 and 15. He says, But as for you, Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Man, Timothy grew to love God, but you know what? He began by loving his mother and his grandmother. That's where He saw Jesus. That's where He saw the beauty of the Lord was in their lives. So observation uh, number four: a godly mother takes every opportunity to communicate God's truth. It just takes an opportunity to, to share you know, God made that. or God gave us this. Or look at God's kindness. You know, I I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I felt loved by my parents. They had a background with church, but not a lot of depth in what it really means to know and love Christ. And it's been a joy all these years being married to a, a godly woman and godly mom that sometimes can be hard on herself. But it's really because she just loves those kids so much. <laughs> and those grandkids so much. And uh, I just learned a lot just watching. It's like, Lord, give me a little bit of that love that I see here. That power that is there. Um, you know, we should know better, but Atticus is so busy like, you know, the little boys are and He's always going 100 miles an hour, so, you know, it's kind of like, eh, he's not listening. You know, we can just kind of say whatever we want, but it didn't take us long to figure out that he misses nothing. He hears it all. The guy should be a spy. You know? Secret agent, Atticus. And um, so, Cindy said he was playing the room last night. He said, I'm just going to read Bible stories to him and read about God, because even though he looks like he's not listening... Think he's soaking it in, man. There's power there, ladies. Be that influence. Just love Jesus, and I know sometimes you feel like you don't do a good job of it. I I understand. I feel that way about myself. Just keep doing it. Just love Him and let that leak out. Let Jesus leak out of you. Just 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 let it. And when those kids ask about a parent or somebody they love, um, just say, let's stop and pray for them that they will love Jesus and that they'll want to go to church and that they'll want to be forgiven because Jesus loves them and he died for them. I mean, just take those opportunities um, to communicate that. Uh, Linsky... A, school, a Greek scholar said in 2 Timothy 3:15, where it says, "From childhood you have known the sacred writings." He said that actually means Timothy was taught the letters of the alphabet from the biblical text and first learned to read from the Old Testament scriptures. And so the picture here is, these dear ladies, as Timothy began to read, he had his nose in the scriptures. That's where he was first seeing those words. Those letters come together where there was an understanding. And so the first understanding of the understanding dealt with not just words, but the word of God. And, and, and so Timothy's understanding became clear with what matters. Spurgeon, uh, we preachers have to talk about Spurgeon every once in a while. He's a very powerful preacher, a lot of great writings. But he was brilliant. He was, he was homeschooled, by the way. But anyway, when he was two years old... His parents had a uh, young Charles stay with his grandparents. And they started doing that. They taught Charles to read. He And he read when he was just a little guy. But at the age of two, they started teaching him letters. And so he learned to read from his grandparents, putting him right in front of that Bible <laughs> and showing him the truth And the words came together. But his mother also had a powerful influence on his life. And he would often talk about her. And he would say at night, she would pull us kids together. And we would talk about God and, you know, read some Bible verses together. And then she would pray. And listen to this. Spurgeon said, this is often how my mom would pray. This is a tough mom. guys. Listen to this. Now, Lord. If my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. My soul will bear witness against them that at the day of judgment, if they lay not hold of Christ. In other words, Lord, they're going to hear it. So if they don't receive it, ain't my fault. (laughs) So Lord grab their hearts. What 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 a mom. All right, uh, one more, and we're out of here. It's never too early to start living for Christ. I'm sure that there were times Eunice had some regrets. Where she said, man, I hate I missed up my early days as a bride. I hate I ran away from God instead of toward God. But you know what? It's never too late. You may think, man, I have just messed things up. Todd, you don't know. God does. But here's the great news. He loves us anyway. And he died for that junk too. And his forgiveness is complete. It is not only for the present sin you confess. It is for the sin you have already committed. And I love that in this, uh, it's Hebrews 10, 17, 18, where, where he says, and I will remember your lawless acts and sins no more. And it says, No sacrifice will be needed any longer. We don't appease God constantly. I've got to earn God's trust. I've got to earn God's forgiveness. I've got to make Him proud of me. I've got to complete this list in order to earn His favor. No, that's what Calvary is all about. That is what the forgiveness of God proves. He is raised from the dead and that says yes to the fact that we're forgiven. That we do not live in our past sins. We live in His forgiveness. In His wholeness. It's never too late never too early to start now living for him he loves you turn to him Eunice would never have imagined that her son she thought man I'm just a loser I shouldn't have married that guy I missed my opportunity man my my family didn't want to have anything to do with me because of my choices she would have never thought, God would raise my son up to be such a powerful man of God and to make such a difference and to influence so many lives. She could have never seen that. And you know what? We can't see what God may do through us. You say, I'm weak. So what? He's not. You say, I'm a mess. So what? He cleans up messes. That is our God. The fact that you are now pouring the grace of God into the life of your family, of your loved ones, of of your children, is a testimony of the wonderful grace of God. So pour everything you got into their lives. Everything you got from Him into their lives. Let me close with a testimony from Elisa Morgan. Uh, Today she is head of... uh, Mothers of preschoolers. Um, Here's what she writes. I'm probably the least likely person to head a mothering organization that impacts thousands of mothers' lives for the gospel. I grew up in a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was five. My older sister, younger brother, and I were raised by my alcoholic mother. While my mother meant well, most of my memories or of my mothering her rather than her mothering me. Alcohol altered her love. I remember her weaving down the hall of our ranch home in Houston, Texas, glass of scotch in hand. I would wake her at 7 each morning to try to get her off to work. Ten years ago, when I was asked to consider leading Mops International, a vital ministry that nurtures mothers, I went straight to my knees. How could God use me, who had never been mothered, to nurture other mothers? The answer came. (laughs) My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's 2 Corinthians 12.9. She says, God would take my deficits and make them my offering to him and find his grace to be sufficient in my weakness just understand this is about his strength it is not about your weakness put your weaknesses on the altar and let Jesus take them and work through those weaknesses to deliver and present his marvelous power and forgiveness. let's pray God I thank you for each one here of course we thank you for moms and grandmoms and for their influence. God, we need you. It's that simple. Um, Lord, maybe we need to come to the altar to pray, to bring to you our hearts, Lord. Uh, Father, may you give us freedom to follow, to do that if that's your call. Or, Lord, to make a decision right where we are in this time uh, we're about to share called response or invitation. Or maybe it's to come and to share before the church family what you are doing. (laughs) <laughs> what, you, what you might be doing this minute, I don't know. But God, we just want to know about you, what you're up to. Thank you for the love that has shown us through the beauty of your likeness in a godly lady, Lord. Thank you for the love that was shown us and that hopefully we know. If not, we can know it. So give us insight and strength to say yes to the mercy of God. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Come live in my heart. Make me new. Lord, we call out to you because it's you. In Christ's name we pray.